Have you ever heard that voice inside your head telling you not to do something that it doesn't seem right, it doesn't feel right, or it's giving you like bad, weird vibes? That voice could very well be your conscience. Today on the Easy Keto Podcast, we are diving in to mental and spiritual health. I'm such a strong believer in a full picture of health, and mental and spiritual health is part of that. So if you've been struggling with questioning yourself, with arguing with your inner voice, with telling right from wrong, then this episode may very well be for you. So stick around. Welcome to the Easy Keto Podcast. Each week, join health strategist and keto coach Shyla Ann as she takes you on a journey to achieving wellness in your mind, body, and soul. In conversation with various experts, Insider advice and actionable tools are available at your fingertips so you can live an empowered life. And now, your host. Hello to you, you amazing human being. No longer are we indulging in the stigma of hiding away or not talking about or completely just ignoring in some cases our mental and or spiritual problems. So today, I want you to keep an open mind because I'm going to talk to you about conscience and how your conscience can be your guide to a healthier you. If we're talking about conscience, we have to ask ourselves, what is a conscience? And without getting too deep into a philosophical conversation, I broke down what a conscience is in a few simple and short sentences. A conscience is an inner part of our being to determine right versus wrong by implementing the correct standard and morals. A conscience is an excellent guide when attuned to the truth. And I must stress attuned to the truth and having standards and morals because there are types of consciences that are dangerous, I should say. We have to come to this truth that humans have free will. We can make any decision we want, but we can't control the outcome. We can't control the consequences. May them be good or may them be bad. Now, our will, our free will, makes decisions based on what's fed to our mind. That's why developing standards and morals is so important and so vital to start at a young age. And if you're already an adult, starting any time to develop standards and morals for yourself, for your life, is crucial to making choices, to helping you to avoid situations that you don't want to be in and helping you to reach your ultimate goals. So the very first thing I want to jump into are the types of consciences that are out there. As I'm telling you about the different types of conscience, I really want you to take the time to identify the one that you are. Be honest. Nobody's judging you. This is all to help you improve your lives, improve your health. So let's go ahead and jump right in with the first type of conscience. The first type of conscience is good or pure conscience. Knowing that we live in an imperfect world, we can't expect perfectionism in every single part of our lives, including ourselves. But if you have a good or pure conscience, you can definitely tell right from wrong. Are you God-centered? Are you spiritually centered? Are you aligned with yourself? Do you have, let's say, a set of commandments that you'll never break, that you draw the line at, that you live your life by? You see this in just about every country around the world, every religious belief. Even though they may vary greatly, there are still basic guidelines to being a good human being, right? 
And what are those? No lying. Tell the truth. Don't steal. Be honorable. Respect your mother and father. Basically, loving yourself, loving your neighbors, respect people, respect yourself. Don't do harm to yourself. Don't do harm to others. And live your life to the fullest. Those are basic standards, basic morals that we can guide our life off of. The second type of conscience is a clear conscience. Now, a clear conscience means there's no bondage holding you back. Now, when I say bondage, I don't mean physical bindings. If you've ever experienced something traumatic, if you've ever made a decision that you yourself can admit was wrong, sometimes when we make decisions that we know are wrong now, but we've done them in the past, sometimes they haunt us. They really do. And it's kind of like chains holding us back from living a fulfilled life. Have you ever stayed up late at night and had a hard time sleeping because you just started thinking about a choice you made years ago? Your mind isn't allowed any rest. Your soul feels weary from the choice you made. That's because our conscience isn't clear. Our conscience is fogged up. The third type of conscience that we have is a weak conscience. A weak conscience can mean that we're immature with either our mind, our body, or our spirit. We are trying to start to develop standards to live our life by so that we're not constantly flip-flopping on our choices or getting caught in the same bad situations again and again. But on the same note, we're still learning. We're still developing. We're new to taking more accountability with ourselves and our lives. And that's not a bad thing. We're just young. But that leaves room for such tremendous growth. You can do this. That's going to lead us into our fourth type of conscience, and that is wounded. A wounded conscience is when we were wronged, we were hurt, we were maybe abused mentally, physically, emotionally. They're all real, and they can cause long-lasting pain. And when we're wounded, we're, we're very vulnerable. We're in a state where things could set us off unknowingly. We could set ourselves off unknowingly. Even though we don't want to set ourselves off, we're wounded. We're hurt inside. Now, if you are a person of a good conscience, pure conscience, and you see a wounded person, this is where you come in and you help them to bring relief to their life, help guide them in the right direction. Be a friend. Let them know that they're not alone, that they have people that love them, that rely on them. If we have a wounded conscience, before we can even move on, we have to heal. The fifth type of conscience is seared. To straight up say it, people that have a seared conscience can seem like they're possessed by a demon. People that are considered psychotic fall perfectly, as an example, under a seared conscience. They cannot tell what is right from what is wrong. They can smile to your face while they're lying. And not just any type of lying. They can convincingly lie and smile right to you. You can identify a person that has a seared conscience because they don't care about right and wrong. They don't care who they hurt, how they hurt them, who they step on, the bridges they burn. That doesn't matter to them at all. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, wow, do I have a seared conscience? No, you don't. Why can I tell you that? Because just you questioning yourself to see if you are that messed up person, because maybe you've done something messed up, means that no, your conscience isn't seared. Maybe your conscience is wounded. Maybe your conscience is immature or weak. Or maybe your conscience is this next thing that we're going to talk about, which is number six, 
a defiled conscience. Defiled consciences are misguided. They have a combination of right and wrong in their head. Sometimes they choose the right thing, but sometimes, because of what they've gone through, they think that the wrong thing is the right thing. Have you ever heard of people that were abused when they were young and even though they've hated it, as they get older, they become the abuser? That is a great example of a defiled conscience. Someone with a defiled conscience could approve that which is corrupt because they confuse it with being good. So there you have it. Those are the six type of consciences that I broke up. Now, again, I want you to choose the one that most aligns with you on your journey right now. By knowing where you fall within each type of conscience, you can know where you need to focus on, what you need help with the most in order to really achieve that well-rounded picture of health. It's not just the physical body. We as humans, we have two types of bodies. Just stick with me for a moment here. We have our material body, which is our physical body, the body that we can see, we can touch it, we can feel it. And we have our immaterial body. That's our will. That's our soul. That's our conscience. That's our spirit. That is our emotions. And if our physical body or our immaterial body is out of line, then we are out of line. And that could really affect the decisions we make, the people we hang out with, the relationships that we get into, how we care for ourselves. For example, someone who's an emotional eater, like I used to be, will just eat because they're feeling a certain emotion in their immaterial body, their spiritual body. They're feeling mad, happy, sad, excited, angry, lonely, depressed. They will just eat and eat and eat. It can also affect our physical body, our material body. And that's why having both bodies in alignment is so, so important. So eventually, as we start to work on ourselves, as we start to take the steps in our lives to be in alignment, be healthy, we ideally want to get to conscience type 1 and 2, a balance between that, having a clear conscience and having a good conscience. So how do we not just obtain them, but maintain those types of conscience levels? So right now, I'm going to go over six steps that I found has helped me to heal my conscience. Step one, be clear and honest with God. Now, I'm not telling you who your God should be. I'm telling you that you need to be clear and honest with God. Because if you're going to lie to some immaterial spiritual being, then why would you be honest with yourself? How could you be honest with yourself? You have to be able to own up to the things that you've done wrong and to the wrongs that were done to you. I want you to identify every wrongdoing that has ever kept you up at night, that has ever stopped you in your tracks, that has affected your relationships in the past or maybe affect your relationships today. And then I want you to move on to step number two. Make amends with yourself and other people. When you make amends, it revives your spirit. Have you ever admitted to something that you've done wrong and then it feels like a weight has suddenly lifted off of your shoulders? Like you are just clear, like you are free, like you are just living in the light? Yeah, right? Me too. Making amends can heal your relationship with yourself. That is so important. And then it can heal a relationship with other people. Some people you might not be able to heal with. 
But you know what? If you make amends with yourself first, you're leading yourself to a clear conscience. Making amends leaves room for reconciliation, for reviving relationships that you miss. Maybe a relationship with your mom, one of your siblings, maybe yourself. Now, with making amends in mind, I want you to be very careful with this step because sometimes we can get caught in the past and I know it. We're not going to be able to physically make amends with every single person that has either done us wrong or we've done wrong for one reason or another. But I do not want you to get stuck on that. If somebody has done you wrong, if you can find it in your heart, in your soul to forgive them, whether it be writing a letter of forgiveness, whether it be yelling, I forgive you at the top of your lungs, whether it be praying and being grateful for your forgiveness, whatever it may be. If you're not able to actually do it with that other person, as long as you can do it with yourself and clear your conscience, then you are working in the right step. Even as you're forgiving yourself, do not get stuck. The point of making amends is really to know what went wrong, to forgive the wrongdoing, and to move forward, to clear that conscience. I know personally that there are people in my life that I do not at all feel the need to ever talk about or to again. I was able to think about those situations, identify what I don't want to happen again, identify better ways of going about it, forgive myself, forgive them, and completely leave that situation alone. Staying out of the past, not bringing up the past, can be a very difficult step for some people to overcome. And it can really hold us back in reconciliation, in healthy relationships. So make amends, but don't get stuck. That leads us to number three. Give yourself an honest inventory of your relationships. Keep in mind, relationships doesn't just mean your spouse. It also means your relationship with your parents, with your siblings, with yourself, with your children, with your grandparents, with your co-workers, with your aunts, your uncles, anyone that you care about, that you want in your life, your nieces, your nephews. As long as you can say with a clear conscience that you honestly do and or have done everything possible to keep that relationship good, then you are good. Because sometimes the ball is in the other person's court. And if it is in their court, maybe you can reach out one more time and let them know how you feel. And however they're going to take it, that's how they're going to take it. But the point of this episode is for you to obtain a clear conscience and a good conscience. And sometimes having a bad relationship in our lives, whether or not we caused it, can really fog up our conscience. Number four, seek forgiveness from others and restitution when possible. Although number four focuses on forgiveness, number four's main point is to focus on us seeking forgiveness from other people for doing wrong to them. And yes, maybe we have to pay restitution to them. And don't get me wrong, restitution does not always mean we have to pay money. Because sometimes the way people are hurt is more than on a financial level. When I reflect back, the deepest pains that were ever caused to me was not something that can be replaced materially or with money. It was a pain that scarred my heart or my soul and a pain that sometimes I thought I could never forgive. But when I was sought out to give forgiveness and I seen that this person had a really honest and true change of heart, then it helped me to change my heart and it helped me to forgive. 
it helped me to change the way that I view forgiveness and how I could view seeking forgiveness from others for my wrongdoings. As I said earlier, we live in an imperfect world and we as human beings are imperfect. We make mistakes all the time. Whether or not we did it with a good intention at that time, maybe we didn't do it with a good intention. Maybe we did it emotionally. So we all have things that we must seek forgiveness for and be forgiven about. So just because you fall into those categories, don't stress about it because we all do. And if you are stressing about it, Take that as another good sign that you're really trying to change who you were. And I say were because even if you didn't start physically on this journey, just thinking about it in your head, there's already a change taking place. Which leads us to number five. Concern yourself with your integrity. Start with the hardest situation first and always stay humble. Sometimes with certain situations and certain people, it is really hard to stay humble. We've met people that just push our buttons. And maybe as we are trying to seek forgiveness or be forgiven, they are still there just wanting to push our buttons. But that's okay. Stay humble. As long as your conscience is clear, you've done your part. You don't have to stay in that situation. You don't have to tolerate that situation any longer. Remember, that goes back to step number three. You taking an honest inventory of your relationships and with a clear conscience, you can say that you tried everything you could. Now, the last step and probably the most important is step number six. Don't stop until you're finished. Don't stop until your conscience is clear. Don't stop until there's nothing in the middle of the night that just wakes you up out of the dead of your sleep. Remember, although I'm saying all these things about seeking forgiveness, making reconciliation, making amends, keep your safety in mind first. Again, there are people, there are abusive relationships I have been in in the past. And, and when I sought forgiveness for the wrongdoings that were done to me, I didn't go and personally call that person up. I don't know how that person is doing. That person didn't reach out to me with a change of heart. Instead, I did a forgiveness within myself and I let it go. My conscience is clear. Once you even just start doing all of this, as your conscience is becoming good, pure, and clear, you can't turn back. There is no turning back. You're going to be living your life in alignment. You're going to start to see the things that used to affect you on an emotional level, a mental level, a spiritual level, not be able to affect you anymore. That can improve relationships or that can even lead way for new, better, and healthier relationships. Relationships that you never thought were possible. Being with people that you never thought you'd be worthy to be with. The possibilities are truly unlimited when you lead way for healing to come into your life. Now that you have identified what type of conscience stage you're at, now that you know the steps to clearing your conscience, I want to tell you about a really incredible way to build that healthy conscience, to have those standards and those morals that give you a set of guidelines to live your life by, to make choices with. I want you to write yourself a personal mission statement. You know those things that businesses write that say, these are our standards. These are what we believe in. This is what we don't believe in. This is how we base our company decisions on. 
I want you to make one for your life because you are your ultimate company. I want you to include the type of person you want to be, the type of character you want to possess. I want you to include the type of contributions and the type of achievements you want to get to. And I want you to include the things that you value, principles. Basically, I want you to write down the things that you want people to say about you once you're gone. Imagine you're at your own funeral and people are speaking about you. What do you want them to say? Who do you want to be known as? What type of person should they call you? So I'm going to give you some of my examples. Having this personal mission statement has really helped me to make decisions in my life that I once thought were hard and has simplified them to the extreme. And I feel happy knowing that. I feel fulfilled and I feel grateful having this. So for me, one of them is success at home, family first. If my family is healthy and happy and we're communicating and we're talking and we are all just constantly helping each other be our best, then I'm extremely happy. If my home is a success, I am happy. If I'm putting my family first, I am happy. I don't want to miss anything in my child's life. Another one is break habits that cause destruction. It doesn't have to be any sort of major destruction. Here's a great example. Before, I felt like I had to check my notifications on my phone all the time. And anytime I heard the phone ding, anytime I got a call, any social media platforms, I just had to check them. But now, my phone's pretty much always on silent. I don't get any notifications and I'm not scrolling through social media for what I find out to be three hours. I feel so much happier. I feel so much freer. It allows me room to really enjoy the other things in my life that I love. My other habits. I love to read. I love to cook. I love to play games with my family. I love to be outdoors. And by just telling myself, I will self-identify in any destructive habits I may be gaining and I will not participate in them. I will break those habits. I have been able to see so many major improvements in my life. The last example that I would love to share is I'll always be conscious about what I eat, watch, read, and listen to, plus who I hang out with. Whatever we feed our body, whatever we feed our mind, whatever we feed our souls, allows us to make the decisions that we make, good or bad, allows us to see results, good or bad. I was tired of seeing negative results more than I was seeing positive results, and that needed to change. I needed to change. And I found that the biggest change comes by changing what I'm consuming, what I eat, what I watch, what I listen to, what I hear, who I hang out with, even what I put on my skin. All those are forms of consumption and I really wanted to improve in every aspect that I could. So again, I want you to write a mission statement for yourself, for your life. It doesn't have to be anything long, anything fancy. Start off with a list. List everything you don't want and list everything you do want. List everything you don't want to be known as and list everything you do want to be known as. It might even help to think of examples of people that you idolize in certain ways that can really help you to see how you want to be and how you hope to be. And write down the specific traits about that person that you really love, cherish, and enjoy. Or even think of someone that you don't like at all and write down the specific traits of that person that you dislike that kind of makes you cringe. 
And whenever you make a decision, before you act on it, I want you to think, would person X make this decision? Would person Y make this decision? How would they act? How should I act? As you make this mission statement by starting off with a list, it really allows you room to grow. Because sometimes we think that we have no idea what we want to write. But if we just start off with a simple list, pretty soon we're going to be writing full sentences. And this mission statement is always open to revision. It's always open to it because you'll always be growing as a person and this mission statement will grow with you. You can even do a mission statement with your whole family, a family mission statement. You know, it could be if we have an issue with one another, we will always work to solve it. We won't run away. It won't lead to physical harm or mental harm. We'll communicate openly. We'll love each other as a family should love each other. That would form a healthy family. That will form a healthier you. I really, really, really hope you enjoyed this episode today. You know, I don't always do episodes on mental and emotional well-being, although I do think they are such an important part of our health. And if you would like to hear more episodes on these type of topics, please let me know. I really value your feedback. Let me know what you got out of this episode and share your mission statement with me. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you've been loving the Easy Keto podcast, be sure to leave a review. It really helps me to get the word out. To find out more about this episode, please visit easyketomenus.com or come say hi to me at Easy Keto Menus. I'm on all your favorite social platforms. Remember, when you move with pace and purpose, you'll be able to achieve your dream goals. Until next week, have an empowering day.